Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is a WEEI special broadcast. It's day one of the 21st annual WEEI Ness and Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon. Presented by Arbella Insurance. Here for the Jimmy Fund. Here for good. Now, live from Fenway Park, here's Joe Castiglione and Will Fleming. Well, thank you very much. We are uh, your closers tonight, <laughs> and hopefully we can close a victory. It didn't happen on the field tonight, but uh, anyway, we are here raising money for the Jimmy Fund of the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Uh, right now, $1,470,633. We certainly want to pass that one and a half million mark by the time uh, we are done here shortly before midnight, Will. Yeah, we do, Joe. And, you know, you and I live and die by these games. And uh, I think we both come to the ballpark every day hoping to see Red Sox wins and play deep into October. And obviously the energy builds when Red Sox teams are in it late. And uh, tonight a step in the wrong direction there. However, I mean, beginning all morning long, listening on our airwaves, watching on the television it is true that <laughs> days like today, events like this, put everything in their proper perspective. I mean, you know, the Red Sox winning a World Series is great, but raising money to change and save lives and, and literally alter the way that we, you know, treat and cure and do research on, on the, all the many cancers that continue to, to affect all those around us, that's, that's the work that really matters. Well, I think Alex Carr put things in perspective as Chris Sales said uh, this afternoon uh, during uh, one of our broadcasts that Alex Cora told the team after last night's ugly loss, hey, you got to put it behind you because there are other things and we want you all on the same page for the Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon coming up uh, the next two days. And, uh, and Alex, uh, uh, very emotional talking about cancer, will hear uh, part of his pregame show where he discussed that uh, a little bit later. But players and the staff, even though they may not live here year-round, they know what it's all about. And even if they come from another team, they're well aware of the Jimmy Fund. You know, I can't tell you how many times on the road this year I've heard from some of our players that without anybody knowing, the next day they're going over to the clinic because it, it gives them as much as they give to the kids. And we all know that every patient, who, especially the young ones who meet Red Sox players, it changes their day. And so many of these guys, going back to Brock Holt and Mitch Moreland and Nate Evaldi and now Garrett Whitlock, who does such an incredible job as the Jimmy Fund captain, I mean, it, it's right. It, it, and it has for me too, Joe. It just gets in your blood. You get you feel so proud to be a part of this thing that's been going on for 75 years uh, and to do anything you can to 
to push the line forward and to give more dollars to save more lives. I mean, again, nothing is more important than that. And I, I think that's been one of the hallmarks of this Red Sox team this year. I remember, you know, the the evening of the the series sweep to the Toronto Blue Jays, they had a big family event with lots of, you know, charities and kids lined up. Uh, and they were downtrodden in the clubhouse. And Justin Turner said, Guys, we gotta we got more important things to do right now. We gotta move on from the ball game. So I expect they'll do that again tomorrow. But most of all, they were ready to go today, uh, and and really invested on the air, on the field, interacting with all the the wonderful patients and doctors and scientists that make today so special. Well, you know the joy that you see when, uh, and I've been there for many of the player visits when they go over to the clinic to see the kids is uh, priceless. And as several players have told us, sometimes. It's more rewarding for them than it is even for the kids because they're so uplifted, even though they may see some things that are, are pretty sta- sad with the uh, young kids ill. But uh, they really appreciate it. I remember uh, Roger Clemens' great story. Roger would run over to the clinic because uh, he did a lot of running outside the ballpark. <laughs> Including uh, he, from a cab on his 20 strikeout right, night. That night where he was stuck on Storo Drive and <laughs> was late to the ballpark, almost scratched from the start. <laughs> And then went on to become the first guy ever to strike out 20. But he went over to the clinic uh, on foot, running over there. And uh, he ran a little girl, ran into a patient, a little girl who said, I don't really believe you, Roger Clement. So he ran back to the ballpark, put on his <laughs> uniform, ran back to the clinic. And fortunately, it's only a mile or so each way. And uh, she believed him. And Roger got a big kick out of that. And he's done so much for us. You had him on. Last week in Houston, the $26,000 raised for Roger to pitch batting practice to 10 people who paid that uh, for the right to do that to the Jimmy Fund, part of our radio telethon funds. It's just amazing. And it's he's one in a long line. Uh, and you said it. Guys come here, and, and I think they, they come to Fenway as visitors. They see the symbols on the monster, and they, they hear about it from afar. But I do think until you wear that uniform and maybe until you – set foot in the clinic until you talk to the teammates that you have uh, that have experienced it firsthand. It's hard to wrap your head around it. I mean, and again, it's not just people on this team who've gone over this year. I, I, I won't name names, but there have been guys who were the starting pitcher the night before and gave up eight runs in three innings and woke up the next morning at 7 a.m. to go over and see kids at Dana-Farber. So, I think, again, it just sort of transcends everything that goes on here. I know you've told wonderful stories about Mo Vaughn and so many other Red Sox players who who themselves were transformed by their interaction. And, uh, you know, we all feel that energy here today. Hey, think of Mo Vaughn. The Jason Leader story is one of the all-time uh, stories, even though it didn't have a happy ending. But to those who don't uh, recall it, we were in Anaheim, 1993, Mike Andrews, uh, who was featured on the video board tonight. Uh, the chairman of the Jimmy Fund called and asked if I would have Mo Vaughn call this youngster who was in the clinic from uh, Niverville, New York, a little farm village outside of Albany. Would I have uh, Mo call him and wish him well because he was sort of in a, a shell, wasn't talking to anybody in his family and was really bummed out and uh, seriously ill with cancer. And I got Mo on the phone we got Jason on the phone from a back uh, equipment room. This was before cell phones at the uh, Angel Stadium. 
And I heard Mo say, uh, I'm going to try to hit a home run for you tonight. And we thought, uh, you know, just remember him saying it, but it didn't really have a lot of impact. Then in the eighth inning, Red Sox are losing something like 7-1. Mo Vaughn comes up and hits a home run over the left center field fence <laughs> at Angel Stadium. And I went on and said, uh, Mo promised Jason Leader he'd hit the home run for him, and he did. And uh, we went down and told the media. And that was a Saturday night. They came back to the ballpark uh, after the Sunday game. And I think the next game was Tuesday. It was a day off. And we had almost every television station, magazine shows, everybody there. Mo Vaughn hitting the home run for young Jason Leader. And the friendship continued to blossom. Mo had Jason to the ballpark uh, several times in the clubhouse talking to him. And uh, they just had a great bond. And anyway, after uh, the next year, Jason had his uh, 11th birthday. And Mo gave him a series of baseball cards and balloons and other presents. And he was in the studio and after that, uh, things went downhill for, for Jason. And remember the strike hit in 1994. And right during that period, Jason passed away at the age of 11. And I went up to the uh, funeral with uh, Suzanne Fountain and Mark Cummings then uh, with the Jimmy Fund. And all of a sudden, this little tiny church, uh, here comes Mo Vaughn. He made the four-hour drive himself. And consoled the family, didn't seek any publicity, uh, only talked to the family and uh, really uplifted them. But the relationship continued for many, many years because Mo Vaughn's uh, mom, uh, Shirley Vaughn, became very close uh, with Sue Leader, uh, the mother of the late Jason Leader, and that friendship continued for a couple of decades. They take vacations together. They visited all the time. Unfortunately, we lost uh, Shirley about uh, two years ago. And uh, Sue still stays in contact with the Vaughn family. And stories like that, I think, uh, while tragic, uh, in a way, are heartwarming anyway. Maybe not uplifting, but heartwarming. Because you see the, the bonds that are formed and how that uh, continues even after you know the patient is either cured or uh, unfortunately is not. Well, there's no doubt about that, Joe. I, I also think that what it does, you and I get to live this every day. The best part about baseball is the baseball family. Right. And, and that, that is every day at the ballpark. It's clubhouse managers. It's traveling secretaries. It's other broadcasters. It is media folks. It's writers. It's everyone involved in it. And, of course, at the heart of all of it is players. And I, I think that the baseball family and fraternity – really shows its finest self in moments like this. Because every year, I mean, we're going to hear from some of these people, some of the brightest stars in the game. And, you know, the defending World Series champion manager, Dusty Baker, and, and Dave Roberts, who is a legend here in Boston, and David Ortiz and Chris Sale and all these people that have been heroes in Boston. There's a reason they rally together on these two days and all year long because – that's how special the Jimmy Fund is. Well, we hope to hear from an umpire, Phil Cousy, who's a cancer survivor. But right now he's in the bottom of the 10th <laughs> inning umpiring the Padres and Cardinals game at St. Louis. Tomorrow on our pregame show, before the 4-10 game, we will hear from John Farrell, right in the manager's slot where we used to do shows for several years when he managed the Red Sox. John's a cancer survivor, was diagnosed with lymphoma. And today, thanks to uh, modern medicine, he doesn't even take a pill.
Well, it's, that's how he's in the food truck business. He's in the food truck business and the lobster business. <laughs> and uh, John will expound on that uh, tomorrow on our pregame show before the third game of this series. But today we had a chance to chat with Dusty Baker and Dave Roberts, both are cancer survivors. And uh, let's pick up uh, Dusty's interview today as he discussed what he went through and a couple of other uh, heartwarming items. Uh, Dusty, when you came here as a player and as an opposing manager, you see that Jimmy Fun sign, and uh, visitors don't really need any introduction. No, well, I tell you, and then I see all the players over there have the Jimmy Fun uh, uh, shirts on, and I did something with Darnell McDonald and, and the crew up there, um, you know, on a, like a telethon to raise money. And uh, it's so very, very important. And, uh, you know, it's. Uh, being a cancer survivor myself of 20-some years, and my dad was a cancer survivor, and uh, I had two uncles and two grandparents, that I mean grandfathers, that didn't survive it, because back then, you know, nobody knew anything about it, but now that we know, you know, I just feel that we can do something uh, about it, and uh, raising money, uh, you know, to, to do research and, and, and make, make people aware of it, uh, especially children i mean that really affects me you know the child cancers and it was great last night seeing the uh, young man and his twin sister through it that threw out the first pitch that you love to see you know a success story and uh so i'm just wishing them all well uh and, and hope that they can have the success that i've had so far where were you treated i was treated at uh at stanford and i was treated at stanford and uh you know uh actually you know joe um Tori helped me through my my cancer because at the time, you know, he had recommended that I go see Dr. Uh, Catalanato in St. Louis, but then Dr. Catalano uh, suggested that I go see Dr. Presti in at Stanford, and so Stanford, you know, did my treatment. Uh, it was important for me and my family because my wife had just lost her her mother a few months before that to, to breast cancer, and my son was two years old, which is one reason why he was the bat boy during that uh, 2003 series that was months after I had been uh, started my you know my my treatment and operation because I was trying to give him all I could because you know the most frightening thing was when they tell you you have cancer and the second most frightening thing is when they tell you that your cancer's back and so fortunately for me you know my uh, my cancer hadn't come back it has to be it's certainly a devastating announcement when you do find out especially a big strong athlete yeah especially when you're feeling good you know because uh, there's a lot of silent things in us that and you know good thing for me that i uh, i was doing psas for my dad uh, who was uh, who who had prostate cancer eight years prior to me so i was doing uh, uh, telling men to go get screened because women to go get mammograms and most men don't go get screened and uh, so I said well I better put my money where my mouth is so I start keeping track of, of uh, I, had a, I had a doctor Dr. Reggie Rector that 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 you know founded initially and and he said Dusty uh, you know your PSA has gone from from 2 to 2 to, to you know to 4.2 in a year he said something's happening something's on the move and uh you know, he made me take some biopsies, and I just couldn't believe it at first, but he made me take some biopsies, and it was determined that eight out of the, I mean, four out of the eight quadrants, uh, you know, had cancer in them, and that they were very aggressive on my Gleason scores, so I decided to, to take it out right then. That was one of the best things that I've ever done. Great to see you in good health. You mentioned your family, and uh, 
Red Sox called up Sidan Raffaella yesterday. You got a scouting report from your wife, Melissa? Yeah, from my wife, Melissa. Called my son, but he didn't He didn't answer. You know, the young boys, if you text them, they'll answer. But if you call them, they won't answer. And, uh, you know, as the game was on, but my wife, yeah, she told me. She goes, she goes uh, man, he can really play. He got power. He got speed. And then she said that, that, that Howard got super speed that you can't hardly throw him out. So, you know, she I guess she was there. You know, to watch him play against my son uh, in AAA. This was uh, Worcester at Rochester. Right, yeah. exactly. And my son's in Rochester and, and your team's in, in Worcester. You know, we had Jim Lomborg on yesterday. who has been a great Ooh, friend man. of the Jimmy Fund. And he was telling the story yeah. about hanging a sidearm curveball to you in the National League Championship Series. Yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, back then you had to recall every pitch. And uh, there's there's two things that stands out. I saw him over here in the dugout. Uh, man, looked like Jim Longboard. He was looking good. I don't know how old he is, but he's looking. 81. He's looking great. Yeah. Uh, we were trying to guess how old he was. And he goes, yeah, man, do you remember? Uh, 80, uh, you know, the 77 playoffs? I said, yeah. He goes, yeah. I threw you a, 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 a curveball that hung. And I says, well, you threw me a sidearm curveball that hung. And uh, the second uh, time, that's the second time. First time was when Jim Palmer remembered hanging me a curveball, and uh, we're playing in New Orleans in an exhibition game in uh, 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 in New Orleans. And uh, you know, nowadays a lot of the guys they got to go to the iPad to see what the guy throws. But see, back then you had to have total recall uh, almost in every pitch that you've ever thrown. And you know, he gladly brought that one back up to me. Yeah, Palmer knows every pitch he ever threw as well. Dusty, uh, congratulations on winning. The World Championship and the 2,000 games, and we'll look for you in Cooperstown sometime. Well, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get the uh, uh, championship number two first, but we'll worry about that later. But it's always been a nice uh, pleasure, and uh, you know, to see you and uh, and to talk to you because I look for you every time I come here. We talk about Dr. Bill Gould, you know, our, our mutual friend, the biggest Red Sox fan, probably next to you, of course. But, no question. Yeah. <laughs> He's amazing. Since 1946. Oh, my God. Stanford law professor. Yes, he is. <laughs> Dusty, good luck. All right. Thank you, Joe. What a delightful gentleman Dusty Baker is. And uh, a real-life story when he was diagnosed with cancer, feeling just as well as he ever had. And uh, prostate cancer was discovered, and he was cured. That was uh, 2001, so over 20 years ago. You know, it's hard to feel good about anything the Astros do because of the rivalry they've had uh, with the Red Sox over these last six, seven years. But uh, I put that aside last year because that's how great Dusty is. I mean, you know, he had all the chances with the Nationals and the Cubs and, frankly, with the Giants. They were so close in 2002 uh, in Anaheim. And he is such a delight to be around. And – in some ways, this is not to say anything about the, the modern manager because, you know, we love being around Alex Cora. We're going to hear his raw human emotion in just a little bit and his connection with the Jimmy Fund and with cancer affecting him personally. But there's something about these guys who played the game for decades and then moved into coaching and managing. And Dusty is in a class of his own where every time you see him before a game, you cannot help but smile. He just and by the way, like if there were a six degrees of Kevin Bacon in baseball today, I think Dusty Baker might be the center of the hub. I mean, really, in terms of the modern generation to all the guys he played with and against, and uh, you know, he's he's unbelievable. You heard it in that interview, and 
And uh, he's one of those guys that you circle on the calendar. When they're coming to town, you're, you're excited to see Dusty. And he mentioned how Joe Torre helped him because uh, Joe Torre, remember spring training one year, the Yankees came down to Fort Myers with an ounce that day that Joe Torre had prostate cancer. And Joe has been a mentor to uh, several others. I know some coaches uh, who were counseled by Joe when they had prostate uh, cancer. And, you know, you see so many ch- so much cancer with some of the managers that we've known over the years. Of course, they're older than the players, and uh, that might be a factor. But uh, Well, you just like Dusty because you dragged your wife to a game that he played in on your honeymoon. Yeah, um, 1971, coming back from the Virgin Islands. We stopped in Puerto Rico and had to see a game. And uh, Dusty was playing for San Juan. He went over the list of players that they had. It was unbelievable. Hall of Famers. uh, Don Baylor was there. Mike Cuellar. A lot of the great Orioles. uh, Orlando Cepeda. And in those days, most of the Latino players went back and played winter ball. Today, they're discouraged that because of, you know, possible injuries and that type of thing. But... um, went back and of course the players weren't making as much money then and the income was pretty good but uh, that's where I heard the, the PA announcer uh, saying coming back Dusty Baker <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course Dusty was an outstanding player too yeah people don't really remember or know that as much about him I mean he was a power hitter a great outfielder could run I mean he was a five tool player in his day and uh, certainly uh upper echelon player who played for world championship teams with the Dodgers and had a great career. You know, I think another link from Dusty to the Jimmy Fund is that Dusty, I mean, really, for the better part of two decades, endured as much heartbreak as a manager in the game did in terms of getting so close and coming up short with great teams. And you know what he did in all those moments he was at his absolute best. I mean, he was just class at every possible yeah. turn. And that's what you see from so many of these patients and their parents and their siblings. They're dealing with the most difficult news and diagnoses that they've ever received in their lives. And, and, and we see them in the clinic, at the ballpark, in our booth, and uh, almost to a person. They are appreciative and thankful and optimistic and I mean, I really think that's why it's so important that we continue to push. And again, 877-738-1234. Keep the phones ringing until midnight when we can close out day one. Let's get this thing above $1.5 million. We're about $12,000 short of that. Yeah, so we can million, do that. Yeah, $1,488,077, our latest uh, tabulation here. And You know, I love what Dusty said. He had to remember in his era what pitchers threw. <laughs> The repertoire today, they run to the iPad. They do. They do. And you see it all the time in these dugouts. Guys immediately, like their iPad isn't even one minute dead, yeah. and they're they're looking into the iPad. And, and that's one of the great things about Jim Palmer, too. I mean, every time you talk to him. He knows he every pitch he ever threw and never, and never gave up a grand slam. Yep. <laughs> well, we hope those phones will be ringing. We have a wonderful crew here. Been working hard for many, many hours. And right now, it's a little quiet so get the phones going they want to be busy right up to midnight they do and of course we'll continue tomorrow from 6 a.m and uh, the 410 game and the radiothon continues after that as well we're going to talk to phil cuz i understand the game just ended in uh, st louis he was the 
home plate umpire last night, so that means he had the night off at Easy third base. Night. I think Tommy yeah. Edmond was the hero there. So the Cardinals rallied to win. Did. They haven't had one, one too many games, uh, but uh, they've been one of the bigger disappointments. But we had a chance to visit with Dave Roberts over the weekend as well. You know, Dave Roberts was only with the Red Sox two months. They got him at the trade deadline in that three-way deal with the Cubs that sent Nomar uh, off to uh, the Cubs at that time. And uh, Dusty came in that deal. It was only here to the end of the season and had, of course, the biggest stolen base in Red Sox history, maybe the biggest in baseball history, helping that uh, 3-0 deficit turn into the greatest comeback of all time. And then Dusty came, or Dave Roberts came back here, Doc Roberts as he's called, and the Jimmy Fund may have saved his life mm. when he was diagnosed with lymphoma. And let's pick up that conversation we had with Dave Roberts. Dave, Boston meant so much to you, meant so much to Boston with a stolen base. Your daughter was born here, and maybe your life was saved here, huh? You know what? It, it might have been. You know, I think that uh, I just am so grateful for the care uh, that I had at Dana-Farber and um, doing my radiation treatment here and going through cancer. And uh, the Red Sox, Larry Lucchino, were just, uh, they stepped up big for me and, and possibly saved my life. Well, you were in San Diego working in the front office when you were diagnosed, and you, you came 3,000 miles to be treated. I did. I did. I, I did my cancer, uh, my, uh, my chemotherapy in San Diego, and then, you know, at that point in time, I just wanted to make sure that we finished the treatments off the right way, and uh, the best doctors in the world are here in Boston. And so uh, I made a call to Larry, and they got me hooked up and taken care of, so I spent... Uh, the month of September, I think, uh, here getting treatments. And uh, what was the clinic like at that time for you? Just very professional, very caring. Uh, obviously, the minds are second to none, but I just felt that uh, they had a great plan in place and uh, we were going to get through this to get together. And I know you're a man of strong faith, and that had to be uh, something that fortified you too. It, it did, and I think that, you know, the thing is, is that there's some unknown, obviously, but I think for me, it's just the faith component never wavered. And, you know, Joe, I had a great support system from my wife and family and friends, and um, I had a clear plan of attack, and we were consistent with it, and uh, I, I'm just grateful that we got uh, through it. And you've been with us almost every year on the radio telethon. I know you'd like to urge fans to dig deep. Yeah, absolutely. Dig deep in their hearts, their pockets, and... Um, cancer affects everybody, and, and the Jimmy Fund has uh, been so impactful to me and to so many people. And you know, it doesn't matter how much you give; it's just the idea that you have some skin in the game and, and uh, you're you're trying to help support, spread awareness, and uh, save lives. Dave Roberts, thank you so much, and good health. All right, thank <laughs> you so much, Joe. Uh, Dave Roberts is just such a, a genuine guy, and. Uh, you know, when he's talking to you, there's nobody more important in the room. He's, he's really very, very charming and and very honest. And, uh, you know, he's done a great job. Eight years as a Dodger manager. Most managers don't last uh, half that time. Why, I mean, between Aaron Boone, Dusty Baker, and Dave Roberts, can't 
the, the Red Sox arch rivals be pleased managed by some jerks? Yeah. I mean, why are they, Somebody can root why, against. Why are they totally. all such yeah. good people? It's just amazing. And, you know, I, it's one of my favorite uh, Dave Roberts stories is actually about Bill Miller. When you ask him, hey, Bill, are you a little ticked off that Dave gets all the recognition for the stolen base when you're the one who got the hit off Mariano Rivera? And Bill says, I am. Yeah, well, he, he owned Mariano Rivera. I think he hit close to 500 against him in his career. Did a big walk-off home run in late July to beat the Yankees, which is sort of the thing that propelled the Red Sox on in 2004. But it's interesting, Dave uh, Roberts called Larry Lucchino right away because he knew Larry had been a patient. And uh, it was just so heartwarming to see Larry, who's such an important part of this franchise history, receive the Jimmy Fund Award tonight, the top honor that the Jimmy Fund gives out. He is the chairman, but he's done so much for the Jimmy Fund and has had so much experience there, and it was just wonderful uh, to see Larry honored like that on the field before the game. It was, and to me, it is a reminder of how central a figure in Red Sox history Larry is. I mean, we all talk about David Ortiz probably being the most important player in Red Sox history for delivering all those championships. I mean, Larry, in terms of his baseball acumen, the things he did to help save Fenway Park, uh, set, totally set aside Camden Yards and Petco Park. Let's just talk about his Red Sox legacy, the moves he made, the things he promoted and pushed for. Uh, you know, I, I miss seeing Larry around. I really do. And, and that is that is not a statement in any way about, you know, the people who have, have taken over because they do a wonderful job themselves. But I, there's something about Larry, his edge, his wit, his intelligence, his intensity. And I just thought he really was in the time. It's hard to remember now, Joe, when you know you got all these rings on your finger, uh, what it was like in those years. And there was something about Larry being the man for that moment in terms of his acumen, but most of all, kind of his intensity and his willingness to, to steer this ship in the perfect direction. Working with Mayor Minato to get the – Fenway Park, uh, in effect, rebuilt, and uh, Larry, to me, should be in the Hall of Fame, and I hope he will be soon for what he's done with the Red Sox and also uh, building Camden Yards, the model for all the new parks, Petco Park, and uh, rebuilding Fenway. I mean, there's so many different uh, facets of uh, his success, and I think uh, that should be rewarded in Cooperstown. No doubt about it. Well, we have uh, Phil Cuzzy standing by, the Major League umpire, who has a wonderful story about his perseverance in the game and also uh, a cancer survivor. But first, let's pause for these messages here as we urge you to call 877-738-1234 and donate to the Jimmy Fund. Back in a moment. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We need your help. Dial 877-738-1234 to make a gift. We're right back to it. The 21st Annual WEEI Nesson Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon. Uh, Tug Board now showing $1,488,077. And we want to keep those phones busy here. We're with you up until midnight. And we are so thrilled to be joined for the second straight year by another cancer survivor, one of the great umpires in the game, our good friend Phil Cuzzy. Happy birthday, Phil. Doing? Happy birthday. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Perfect timing, right? Very good. Always nice to talk to you, Joe, and always nice to, uh, to support the Jimmy Fund. Well, we certainly appreciate it. We're here with uh, my broadcast partner, Will Fleming, and uh, you had the well, you had a ten-inning game, but was it the night off working at third base? There's never a night off, Joe. You know that. <laughs> never a night off. You no. know, you guys work so <laughs> hard. Plays and, will have a way of finding you, no matter where you are on the field. Yeah, you had some memorable games in Red Sox history. I remember one when uh, there was a big brawl at Tampa Bay. That was in two thousand. That yes, that was that was also on my birthday. No really? way. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Now, because Pedro hit. Thinking, was that Pedro, yeah, Pedro hitting? Pedro was pitching. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think uh, I forget who the per- first person that he hit, but but I remember thinking the night before, oh, I hear Pedro's pitching tomorrow. I said, well, what, a, what a nice birthday gift. I get Pedro behind the plate. He should be throwing strikes, and uh, it should be a good game. And he was throwing strikes. It was just at the back of somebody's, head, back of somebody's uh, rear end. But, I think it was Gerald Williams, yeah. Ice Williams. Yes, it was. I think that was the first person that he hit. I think he hit him in the wrist, if I remember right. And Gerald kind of looked at him and thought about it, and then boom, before he took a few steps to first, and then he took off uh, for Pedro. And it was it was lights out after that. I, I don't so, remember the, the t- total number, but we had quite a few number rejections that day. I think it was seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Red Sox had yeah. two guys hurt in that melee. Usually, you know, they don't amount to much, but uh, Brian Dahlbach got pinned in the bottom of a pile, and somebody was pummeling him, and uh, his batting average 
suffered. He lost about 80 points in the final month because he was playing hurt. And did Lou Merloni get yeah, hurt, Yeah, he got too? concussed and had a big shoulder injury there. Phil, it, our, our fans obviously revere Pedro. And I think a lot of us would go back in a time machine and watch him pitch. It was such theater, and he was such a showman and truly one of the all-time greats. You have had a view of him that literally almost no one walking the earth has had. What was it like to crouch behind home plate and watch Pedro when he was at his best? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it, it was a thrill because you knew that he was going to, you know, pitch a good ball game, and you knew that he was going to be throwing strikes. And uh, you know, and and as a plate umpire, that that's all you want to happen. You you want him to be around the plate throwing strikes because if he's throwing strikes, they're swinging the bat. And you know, when we come out and have a game where the pitcher just can't seem to find the plate, there's no rhythm to the game. The, the pitch clock has created more rhythm in the game than we've had in, in years, but the pitcher still has to be around the plate for, for, for the hitter to swing. And that creates rhythm and rhythm makes for an exciting game. And I know as, as umpires, we just want to see rhythm in, in the game. And, and, and Pedro provided that. Yeah, that's certainly a great point. And, uh, you know, the pitch clock means more responsibility for the home plate umpire, but you love it anyway. Yeah, it, it's much more work for us, but it really, it truly is worth it. And, you know, I always said long before the pitch clock that I'm surprised that pitching coaches don't tell their pitcher just get on the mound and throw. Yeah. Because if you just if you if you just get the ball and throw and don't walk around and you're not giving your defense behind you a chance to daydream or to drift off. And the pitch clock, you know, has really created that. And. And at first, you know, I, I consider myself a purist of the game. And at first I thought the pitch clock, I said, well, you know, baseball never had a clock. The beauty of baseball was that there was no clock. And, and, then, the, uh, and then when, when they put in the pitch clock, we said, okay, how, how's this going to go? And then coupled with the, with the taking away the shift, I said, you know, uh, as a purist, th- this has made the game more like I remember it as a kid because the, the pitcher, you know, he, he, he gets the ball, he throws with nobody on base 15 seconds by the time he, the catcher throws him back the ball. So it, it, it really, to me, has brought the, the game back to more pure, even though we had to use, you know, we had to substitute different ways in order to achieve that, the pitch clock doing away with the shift. Uh, you know, you, you see a guy hit a bullet up the middle last year and there's a guy standing there waiting for it, you know. Now, now the game is, to me, more pure the way it used to be, as I remember it as a kid. Yeah, it's a great point, and uh, it's refreshing to hear you say that because we all love the pitch clock. Uh, it just, as you say, adds rhythm to the game. Phil, before we get to your battle with cancer, your successful battle, your battle to get back in the big leagues. I mean, what a story of perseverance showing how much you love the game. You were working a AAA and as a fill-in Major League umpire, and there were no jobs, so you were let go in 1993. Uh, yes, after after expansion of Colorado and and Florida, um, I thought that I might have gotten one of those jobs because I think there was going to be seven. And then uh, when I wasn't, in the following year, I was let go, and it was it was devastating. And uh, it was just you know I said I, I just I just I just didn't feel like I was ready to go. And, you know, I mean, guys get released every year. And 
they kind of just fade away and and some guys have different feelings about it and they say well you know I'm going to do something else now and and I never had that in my mind I said I'm I'm going to do whatever I can to get back into the game and it took me 3 years but uh but I did and Wait. it was certainly worth the wait you were working at a hotel and you had a chance meeting with Len Coleman, then the National League president? Yeah, that's exactly right. So so I look at it as divine intervention because, uh, you know, the union was trying to help me to get back. But there were so many things along those three years. There was a, a player strike. There was an umpire strike. And, you know, my situation uh, wasn't even on the back burner. It was it was off. The, it wasn't on the stove at all. And uh, so, you know, one day I said, you know what, I, I'm just going to there's a new league president coming in and uh, was Len Coleman. And I said, I'm just going to write Len Coleman a letter and I'm just going to explain my situation. And I'm going to just tell him that, you know, I, 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 I've been to our school four times. And uh, I said, I'll go back a fifth time if he wants me to. But I just want to get back into the game. And I wrote this letter. I took a weekend and I wrote the letter. And when I went to went to work. Uh, that on that Monday, um, uh, my sister. Uh, the reason I brought the letter was because my sister was working at the hotel, and I said I'm going to have my sister proofread it just to make sure that there's no spelling errors, grammatical errors, and just as luck would have it, um, the day I brought the letter in my pocket for my sister to read, Lynn Coleman was checking into the hotel, <laughs> and I would not have had it in my pocket. If, if not for that, I was just going to bring it there for my wow. sister to see. And uh, he, that was the year that the Phillies had the All-Star game. And he was at the All-Star game and he was hosting, I believe it was the Japanese um, league president and and his contingency. And and uh, they were staying at the hotel uh, just as, as fate would have it. And because after I wrote the letter, I'm saying, well, I, I can't just mail it to his office in New York. He'll never get it. He'll never read it. I, I said, I don't know where he lives, but I guess I can find out where he lives. I can wait in his driveway, and when he gets out of the car, I can hand it to him. And here we go. He's checking into the hotel. And I waited for him, and I knocked on his door, and he was in the shower. And uh, he said, yeah, what is it? I said, uh, you know, my my my, my my vision was I was going to knock on the door. He's going to open the door. I'm going to hand him a letter. Well, I knocked on the door, and he wasn't going to open it because he was in the shower. I heard the water running. <laughs> and, and then uh, he said, what is it? I said, uh, uh, I, I had to pull an audible because I wasn't expecting that. And I said, uh, Mr. Coleman, I have a letter for you here. He says, a letter? Just slip it under the door. And I said, well, if you don't mind, uh, I really need to hand deliver this. And he later told me that he thought he was, that I was a bellman just wanting to get a tip, and I wouldn't have gotten a tip if I just slipped under <laughs> <on> the door. <laughs> yeah. But you had to go all the way back to the low minors? Uh, he, yes. I, he, he, he read the letter. I, I slipped it under the door because when I went back, I heard him snoring. He was sleeping. So I called down to the front desk, and I said, does Mr. Coleman have a wake-up call? Yes, he does. He has a wake-up call at 630 I said, okay, 6.30, I was back in front of his door, and I waited for him to open the door. And uh, he opened the door, and there he was, and he, he, he knew who I was, but he never saw me before. And he had a big smile on his face when he saw me. And uh, I said, good morning, Mr. Coleman. And he said, good morning. I said, Mr. Coleman, pardon the ambush, but I'm Phil Cuzzy. And his smile dropped off his face. He thought I was stalking him. And uh, I said, 
if you get a chance to read my letter, long story short, he said, I will get back to you about this. And I thought he was just being nice. And he gave me every opportunity to, to plead my case and to speak to him. And, and I, I left him that morning with a peace because I said, there is nothing more I can do. I had this opportunity and wherever it goes. And he told me that he would call me after the season was over. And I thought he was just being nice. And lo and behold, he did call me and uh, right after the World Series that year. And uh, he said, listen, I, I'm, I'm going against the advice of the attorneys, but I think it's a, a feel-good story, and I'm going to do it. However, he said, you're going to have to go back to umpire. You're going to have to go, not to umpire school, but I had to go back to the evaluation course, which the, the successful graduates go to out of umpire school. And then he said, then you have to go into A ball for a year, double A for a year, triple A for a year. I'm 40 years old at the time. And uh, he said, no guarantees, except that I guarantee that you'll get a fair shot. I said, I'll take it. And it worked out, and here I am. This is year 25. Except I'm powering at 69 today, huh? Amazing. 68. Come on, Joe. Don't push me. Come on. Don't, don't push my older. I added wrong. I 19. Yeah, I saw that. Right. <laughs> 1955. Yeah. But uh, yeah. so you get back to the big leagues, and then – I don't know how many years after, but not too long ago, you were diagnosed with prostate cancer. Yes, in, in 16. And it was only because, uh, 2016, because of our annual physicals with, with MLB. And we, we go out to Phoenix for that every January. And we have our meetings and we have our physicals. And, and they take blood work. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, if, if there's anything high, you know, off with your blood work, then you see the doctor. And, you know, so uh, they'll, they'll notify you if you need to see the doctor. And some guys, it may be high cholesterol, and, and they might see the doctor and a dietitian or whatever. And and uh, so I, I see the doctor, and I, I thought maybe it might have been cholesterol because I kind of flirted with, with uh, borderline cholesterol. And he said, um, did you eat before you uh, gave blood? I said, no, I fasted. He said, okay, I don't want you to panic. He said, but your your PSA, I didn't even know what a PSA was, but the PSA is the marker for uh, prostate cancer, and it should be zero. And I didn't realize that that in the past three years, it was, it was 2.5, and then it went up to 3.5, and then this year, in, in 16, it was, it was 4.5. And he said, you know, it, it doesn't mean that it's cancer, but, you know, I, you really should go see an oncologist. And I did, and uh, and sure enough, it did turn out to be a cancer, but it was only because, and it is a slow-growing cancer, but it was only because I, I had a blood test, and a simple blood test, and, and that's what it showed. And uh, and then there were, there were many, you know, you have many options, depending upon where it is, how much it is, and... Uh, and, and at first, you know, with, with the uh, with the MRI that I had, doctor said, I see one little lesion in your prostate. The prostate's the size of a walnut. And he said, I see one little lesion. He said, to be honest with you, my experience tells me that that uh, that it's prostate cancer. So um, I said, okay. So well, you know, we're going to do a biopsy. And they did a biopsy, and he said. Um, you know, in the old days, meaning six months ago, we would just take random shots in the in the, in the prostate, and now we can zero right in on that lesion. And, and, and long story short, I had a few different spots in the prostate, and some couple of them were approaching the wall, uh, 
of the prostate. Um, if they if, if it breaks through the prostate, you know, then, then it's a completely different situation that you're in. Like Joe Torrey uh, had it, and his broke through, and um, uh, so he, you know, he had to get follow-up treatment because mine was all contained in the prostate. My best option was to have it removed. I did, and uh, I, I only missed uh, like uh, two weeks of work. Really? Uh, I had it done during the vacation week, and uh, you know the doctor. So I said, Doc, how long do you think it's going to keep me down? And he said, Well, if you work behind a desk, I would say you can go back to work in in a week. He said, With your job, I'm going to let your body dictate when you can go back. So I missed about two weeks, but but the thing was, uh, it was a simple procedure. And I mean, nothing is simple when you hear cancer, right? But but for me, it turned out to be uh, an easy procedure. Um, my life was saved because of a simple blood test, and I have I have no residual uh, effects. Um, and I, I I I stress to everybody I come in contact with, all my colleagues, the umpires, they they you know, like I said, I didn't know what a PSA was. When I say to when I say to a guy you know, who's maybe 50, and you're going for a physical, did you get a PSA? He said, I don't know. What is a PSA? And so it's really just, you know, trying to uh, educate uh, guys about it. And, you know, the, the, the same number of, I think it's like one in seven guys will have prostate cancer, the same as women with breast cancer. And um, they say that that most men will die with prostate cancer, not because of prostate cancer. But if you don't know you have it, and if it breaks through, uh, it, it's, it could be deadly, certainly. Well, Phil, that's a great story and perseverance. And you, you show your love for baseball by coming back to work so quickly <laughs> after that and uh, what you did to get back into the game uh, with uh, your relationship with Len Coleman is just uh, a marvelous story. And... Uh, it's great to see somebody who who loves what they do as much as you do. It's a yeah, tough well, job, <laughs> you know. It's uh, they say they say uh, you know wh- wh- why would you fight so hard to get a job where nobody likes you? <laughs> said, well, <laughs> yeah, you have, right. <laughs> you know, you, you know the funny thing. That, don't ask me how or why it happened, but tonight um, the, uh, the there was a group of team. I was working third base. I had the plate last night, and there's a group of teenagers, maybe five or six teenagers, sitting on the third base line. How they knew it was my birthday, I still don't know. I don't think they announced it here. I didn't see it announced here. And they started singing happy birthday to me. I never had that before at a stadium. I had these teenagers singing happy birthday to me during the game. That's so, better than what you usually hear, Phil. <laughs> oh, I usually hear a lot worse than that, I can't say. <laughs> well, it's, it, Phil, it's, it's a wonderful story, and I know – uh, it's very inspiring, and I think uh, it's it's something that the guys have to check. You know, as Dusty Baker told us, he's a prostate cancer survivor. You know, women generally have uh, breast imaging and for breast cancer, and guys are not uh, quite as uh, dedicated in, in getting tested uh, with a blood test as uh, as you have pointed out, and it's it's certainly critical. Yeah. You know, I, and I also I – also give credit to, to baseball and my job, because if I, if I had, I don't know what I would be doing, you know, if I wasn't, I started as a school teacher, but you know, it, it was only because of an annual physical. And, and if I didn't have a job where I had 
the, the great insurance that we do, I don't know if I would have went to a doctor every year, you know. So, you know, because of my position, I, I'm, I'm, I thank God that we have the insurance that we do and we have the, the you know, the, the health care that we do. And if not for that, I, I might have been in a completely different ballgame. Well, Phil, we really appreciate you sharing your wonderful story uh, with us, and we, we really admire your love of baseball. I hope we see you back in Boston or on the road before yes, the end of the back. season. We come back with the White Sox uh, in September. So I will look for you then. Very good. We'll try to have some uh, tagging treats for you, too. That's it. <laughs> okay. Listen, you got a lot to do. There's a there's a cop in, in St. Louis. He brings me cannolis every time I come into St. Louis here. So, but, uh, We'll go but to Modern Pastry anyway. in the North End or Mike's. And we'll take care of you, Phil. Thanks you. so much. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you, and good luck with the Jimmy Fund. Okay, well, good good health to you, uh, Phil Cuzzy. Thank you so much. $1,504,270. So we passed the, the $1.5 million mark. And uh, that certainly means tomorrow's going to be an even bigger day. It I is. Think. I think uh, there's some heavy hitters waiting yeah. in the wings to get us across the finish line. Every year this happens. We need somebody from North Dakota to donate. Jimmy Fun. It's the only state in America that has not yet made a donation, and uh, hopefully we can get that done. But a great start, you know, day one, one point five million plus. That is fantastic, and uh, looking forward to much more of the same. And you know, on our airwaves, we're going to have so many good guests, including the Red Sox manager Alex Cora, and many, many others. I know Chris Martin is going to participate, and some other Red Sox players throughout the day on our airwaves, and. We'll have a matinee of sorts late afternoon as the Red Sox hope to uh, salvage the finale. It feels like an absolutely imperative game for for the Red Sox to get tomorrow, and uh, it will come right in the middle of the final push for the Jimmy Fund. Well, we had Alex Gore in the pregame show talking about uh, the Jimmy Fund radio telethon and his personal experience uh, with cancer. It was very emotional, very moving, and let's uh, repeat that. This is a big day for Boston with a radiothon. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we all know how important this day is. And uh, you know, being part of it, you know, the last few years and when I was a player, I know how people take take it, right? And uh, regardless of the result yesterday, we need to wake up and do the things that we're supposed to do, right? And uh, we took our pictures. Guys have done their uh, radio, hit, radio hits. We have met a lot of patients, you know, and, uh, you know, if you want to put life into perspective, you know, just walk around today and uh, see how just a game is it's nothing, right? Like, it's a bad day, you know, and uh, there's a lot of people out there that they need our support, and that's what we're here for. And when you were a player or as a manager, you made visits to the clinic, and uh, the reaction of kids is just hard to describe. It's priceless. Yeah, you know what? Uh Sometimes we think that we're going to put a smile on their face, and it's the other way around. They put a smile on our face. And uh, as you know, I lost my dad uh, I know it was uh, quite a while ago when you were only 13 years of age. Yeah, I was a kid, and uh, obviously I miss him. And uh, things like this are very important for me. Well, they certainly are, and I certainly uh, we sympathize, and you've been through so much uh, with that. And fortunately, you had a big brother who helped you. Yeah, and a big family. And uh, like I said, uh, you know, uh, I, I know I take this game very serious. I know how important it is 
not only for my family, but for the area, whatever. But days like this, you know, they, they, they show people that uh, it's just a game, you know, and uh, you got to be part of it. You know, sometimes you got to roll your sleeves and help people, and that's what we're trying to accomplish. Alex, good luck, and thank you so much for what you do for the Jimmy Fund. Thank you, Joe. And Alex will be on 1030 again tomorrow morning. He will, and that's just such a perfect way to say it, right? I mean, rough loss for the Red Sox. That's three in a row that have really put them in a corner. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, those of us who've gotten to know Alex over his years in Boston know that that's in there. And so often he is focused on the task at hand, and he is really a baseball mastermind at trying to maximize and get the most out of every roster that he has. But you know that that's in there. And whenever he talks about his mom and his brother and now his new family and all the support they've given him through the things he's gone through in recent years, you know, I think that's something that people who come to Fenway Park and go to ballparks all over the place sometimes lose sight of, which is, you know, it's a big business, right? Everybody wants the Red Sox to win every game, and there's huge money in it. Uh, and and look, the Red Sox have every reason to, to be in it for the World Series every year. It, but they are, underneath those uniforms, people at the end of the day, and you know, as much as they might put up a veneer and be focused every single day for seven and a half months, that's always in there. And I think, you know, as we said at the at the top, Joe, that's for me. Uh, we love the game, the drama, the seasons, the the arc of any year is wonderful. But it is the relationships with people in this game that that make it so fun. Well, we certainly have enjoyed being with you after the game tonight. Maybe a little more with the. Then we enjoyed the game itself, which didn't go all that <laughs> well. But uh, it's heartwarming to look up at that tote board again, see $1,504,270 through day one. Uh, we'll resume with the radio telethon at 6 in the morning, and uh, we have some great guests during the day. And then our ball game at uh, 410 against the defending world champion Houston Astros. And uh, we look forward to... Uh, those phones ringing off the hook tomorrow and that tote board continuing to rise. So thank you very much, Will. Uh, we're going to uh, take a break, and afterwards you will hear from David Ortiz here on uh, Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon Night on our flagship station, WEEI. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can 
put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.